I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to I'm Listening. This is a Frasier fan podcast hosted by yours truly, Anita Flores. Every new episode, I've got a new special exciting guest, and this week is no different. Today, we have writer Kevin Secchia. Did I do that right? Let's talk about it. Pronunciation was no, but Damn it. Um, Tell- all the other aspects I felt really came together nicely. Kevin Sessia. Closer, closer. What is wrong? But that's good. That's I think we that might be a good stopping point to just take that as a little bit of progress and we can move forward. Here's together. Kevin. <laughs> Kevin's here. He only has one name. He's just like Cher. He just goes by Kevin. Anyway, Kevin, how are you? Uh, I'm well. Excited yeah. to uh, be here. Yes, I'm excited to talk about Cheers. So uh, let me ask you, what is your history? We So essentially, I was trying to bait you to do this podcast because I know that you enjoy TV. Am I correct about that? Do you like TV? <laughs> I've been known to dabble in television. I enjoy it. Uh, I take it in now and again, sure. Sure. And so, yeah, I... Um, I love Frasier, uh, but I've never really watched the show Cheers. So then you and I started talking about how I watch a lot more Frasier and you watch a lot more Cheers. So before we get into Frasier, I'd love to ask you about your history with Cheers. Uh, how did why, why do you like it so much? What's um, so great about it? I just think it's it's overall, I mean, as far as like sitcoms, I think you'd have to put it in like the top three or I would. I think it's um has great writing top-notch joke writing and um all great cast of characters great actors i feel like all the jokes 
tend to come from character and, and there are jokes that you know one character would say that you couldn't give to any of the other characters and vice versa um it sort of had they had like longer arcs and and, and stories but then self-contained episodes and and you know sort of the famous will they won't they of sam and diane which was groundbreaking uh so, for its time so uh when did you did you watch it uh like how did you get into it did you start just netflixing it or did you watch it when it was like on when it was on I, repeats on tv I, I remember as a kid, like my babysitter was into it. And at the time I was still into like, you know, kids sitcoms, like you know, Growing Pains or something. And I would be like, I would try and watch Cheers with her and be like, this is boring. Um, and then I think found it again in syndication, maybe. Um, I don't know how many years after that, but a little bit older. And uh, it all kind of came together and it was like, this is amazing. So not quite the first run, but. Uh, not like a week ago either. So you've seen every episode? Probably, yeah. Okay. Do you have uh, a favorite character? Um, there's so many good ones. I mean, it's like that problem with like Lost or not Lost. Wow. Why would I say Lost? Uh, the Wire where you're like tempted to like give your favorite character and you can't even settle on one. There are so many good ones. But uh, Sam Malone played by Ted Danson. Is a, is a pretty great character, uh, pretty great deconstruction of like a Lothario playboy, um, ex-alcoholic type. And, but then, you know, Woody Harrelson is Woody Boyd is a, is a great character. Uh, sort of your classic dumb guy, but with, with heart and nuance and, and sort of weird quirks that, that prevented it from being just, you know, the dumbest guy in the room at any point, which, which he maybe even wasn't at other times. I could see how um, now my knowledge of Sam Malone is limited to the mostly to the episode that you showed me uh, of Cheers and also the episode that he guest stars in a Frasier. There's a number of and I'd love to to talk to you about that uh, at some point today uh, that there are a number of episodes where old characters from Cheers come to visit uh Frazier in Seattle, where he ends up living. Um, but so from what I learned of Sam Malone, it does seem like there's like a few authors that I think of that I get angry thinking about men reading their books because I'm like, oh, this is why all men are trash. Now, like Bukowski not, or what is it? Like Bukowski. Uh, oh, wait, who wrote On the Road? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't That's read it. <laughs> you know, with the whole Fair like. The whole like drugs and like, you know, never being happy. Like, like, have you ever listened to the like uh, any song by the weekend? Like his whole life is him like having sex with models, but he's like really unfulfilled, you know? Yeah. Um, and so like here's the the it, so what I got of Sam from the episode he was in on Frasier, he at at that time. I guess he's so he is a playboy. Is he like dating like lots of women like throughout Cheers? Yeah, I mean, I, there are aspects of that personality or that character that I feel like don't age as well as others. But I don't, I would, I wouldn't, from what I recall, put it in that like problematic category. Uh, I hate that word, but I guess it does the job. I, um, I, he does. I think, sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say he has a swagger. He has like an undeniable like, like in the few episodes. That, I've seen of cheers like I just feel like he could say anything like you know I just farted and it would be like I don't know it would be charming 
He definitely, I mean, he's super good looking. He's an ex ball player, tall, dark, and handsome. And, uh, you know, he's definitely like the ladies' man. But I, I wouldn't, it's not approaching the levels of like toxic asshole that, that you see today. Like, he's never, he was never like overtly duplicitous about it. It, it was more like, uh, you know, they're throwing themselves at him, which of course is also <laughs> a bit ridiculous. But I mean, not for some people. And, and I do feel like he was flawed in other ways and, and vulnerable and more often than not undone by his sort of, idiocy and cluelessness um but uh but yeah it definitely started from that sort of classic um playboy type character and and and, um but but i think it's i don't know i think it's deconstructed well at times and it sort of falls apart on him kind of reverting to that um i think towards the end of the show they sort of addressed more how sad that can be the older you get whereas like he Mm -hmm. kind of thinks he's the coolest guy in the room and at a certain point he's no longer that um, sure. That's why I didn't like the Frasier revisit of him because that I felt was like entirely sad. Like once you get past the yeah. nostalgia of yeah. seeing this guy again, you're just like, oh man, like I, I don't want to know that he's still up to this. And and the fact that it's sort of, um, you know, it ends poorly with this much younger woman who's a sex maniac and. Uh, uh, played, played by. Yeah. You know, Taya Leone, whose ex-husband, David Duchovny supposedly sex addict wow yeah yeah similar shock of brown hair similar look to both of them watch out for men with a beautiful head of hair yeah there's (laughs) There's a lesson there There um yeah i didn't need to see that i feel like cheers ended pretty perfectly sure uh yes before i ask you about fraser i have a theory as to why you said lost instead of the wire now i've seen the first two seasons of lost um i have not watched the wire i think it's been way too hyped up for me and so i haven't watched it yet but you just made me think like there's some similarities between cheers and lost that's a lot of characters like on both shows and generally they're in the same place for well with the exception of the flashbacks on lost you're really just stuck on an island and then with cheers you're just at a bar yeah no so, I, that's a- I think you could take the whole cast of cheers and just leave them on an island and still have a great show <laughs> i mean yeah i think that was yeah i think they they um I'm trying to dissect that in real time. Yeah, I think there's some merit to that. Quick hey. sidebar, The mm-hmm. Wire is, as I'm sure you've heard, and I know it's it's overhyped to a ridiculous degree, but that's almost not even true because it, I would say it's literally the greatest show of all time and also one of the funniest somehow. And then also one of the most important, and I know how I can just feel myself sounding like a dick as I'm holding court about it, but um, I feel like- You have a Scarface poster? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? That is not a Scarface poster. (laughs) No, it's not. It's, Um, uh, yeah. No, it's a great show. I was gonna say you should check it out, but that sounds um, mansplainy, but- I might, I might. Maybe take a glance. I might, it's tough. I honestly miss um, the time period where you could just watch shows the way you had to, which was on TV, because I have a backlog of sh- of, of shows that I need to catch up on, uh, right. and I don't think I ever will. Like I still haven't finished Atlanta. I want to get to season two of Dear White People. I need to get to a place where I can stomach the rest of A Handmaid's Tale. There's just a lot. Then throw Cheers on top of that. There's you know, plus I have a job, so like 
it's what I need is to have another surgery. Um, cause I, cause like three years ago I had to have surgery and I was out of commission for like 10 weeks oh. and I watched so much TV. It was great. Um, so yeah, I'll just wait till I get in, um, till I have to have uh, more surgery. Let's uh, pray for something horrific to befall you and then you can have the recovery time. Fingers crossed. Um, so I'm curious about, uh, before I forced you to watch the episode of Frasier that I made you watch, uh, how how into Frasier are you? How much have you seen of it? Where do you watch it? <laughs> TV, Netflix. I um, I don't. I I think I watched my assignment on my television. I found it somewhere. Um, I don't watch it a ton. I, I remember watching it years ago, off and on during a period when I was not super into TV uh, or, or like watching stuff as it aired. And I, I, I respected it. I mean, it's a really perfectly written and constructed show. It's like a beautiful show. It's a nice, you know, I, I wouldn't call it top 10, but it's, it's up there as like a respected Emmy winning show. And, and I enjoy it. I, I feel like something kept me, I don't know. It, it always felt like it was a little bit out of distance for me. I, I don't know. Something, about the two main characters being super funny, but but you're also kind of rooting against them for being such assholes or so pretentious. I feel like that would kind of get in the way of it personally, although, you know, from a technical standpoint, you're like, it's a great show. But I think I never embraced it fully because of that. Um, you know, if you're relating more to the dad character, I feel like, I don't know. It's hard to get invested in anything larger than the joke by joke uh, level, if that makes sense. Would you say when you watch uh, when you watch shows, do you feel like for you to enjoy a show that you need to be able to relate to any of the characters? Or no, not not normally. Like if someone's super funny, then nothing matters, and they are. So that disproves that, I guess. But but and of course, you know, if you have like a likable antihero that you're rooting for in spite of yourself, like a Tony Soprano or you know Walt White or whatever. Um, I, I don't know. I think maybe, you know, again, it's not, it's never anything I would be like, here are the flaws. I would say here is why it doesn't work totally for me. And if it's like, you look for 10 things in a show, maybe it only had five for me or something. I, I guess maybe the, the whole, their persona, their worldview wasn't as interesting to me and, and the, the therapy conceit and then the, the stakes of, you know, them going to the opera and losing the tickets. I'm not a huge fan of like farcical comedy either. I mean, I, respect the sort of ability to kind of keep these things moving and, and kind of set up almost like a Rube Goldberg machine of different plot points dropping down. Um, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later with the Ski Lodge episode, but um, I, I guess I like stuff that's a little bit more, not to say that it wasn't at times character driven, but more character driven, I guess, rather than say, you know, opera tickets are, <laughs> I don't even know if that's a real, plot but like we are misplaced and then someone else found them and then he has to steal them back and get to the opera without someone else knowing and that, that does not sound like an episode at all but you, you know what i mean it's sort of that that domino effect of, of comedy where you're like i wish two people would just stop and talk to each other and it's frustrating that all these people are operating in the dark and a conversation would figure it out almost like a three's company thing uh i sort of find that distracting for me personally so yeah, the reason I asked you uh, if you need to relate to characters is for me, I personally do not relate to anybody on Frasier. So for me, my mindset watching this show, especially in this day and age, 
is that I feel as if I'm on a vacation from my own life when I watch the right. show. And so that's what I like. So, um, but I can what totally- un- Yeah, um, go ahead. I feel like Frasier seems to be bigger than ever in mm-hmm. certain ways, as far mm-hmm. as Twitter and the internet and people, uh, I'm going to say your age. Um, and I- Wait a minute, my age? Millennial, millennial-ish? I don't know. You're... I am 30. I don't know how old you thought I was. No, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, Continue. Yes. I, I, uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, you'll see like a lot of memes and, 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 and uh, sort of references to Frasier, um, some funnier than others. And it's, it's not a, totally apparent to how sincere people are. And I will say that at least 70% of it seems mocking and condescending, which I feel like, do they not yes. honestly understand that it is a brilliantly well-written, well-constructed show? Are they just amused by his like large forehead and bad 90s attire? It always kind of rubs me the wrong, I don't know, it seems vaguely dickish. And, and I'm just curious, where do you lie on that spectrum? Are you 100% on board, 90%? You know I think that is a totally valid thing that I've truly never taken the time to think about. That I think you're completely right. Like, there's a bunch of people I follow on Twitter who are seemingly making these really insane memes. Uh, like there was one I th- I forgot his name, but somebody made a picture of Frasier or a cartoon of Garfield and morphed it with Frasier. So like it was the cat, but with Frasier's head. And yes, he does have a big forehead. And it, you know, there's more attention to it drawn since he is bald, bald. Look, all your comedy greats have a big foot. Garfield, Frazier Green. All my Uh, comedy greats. Um, I don't understand the, um, Mm -hmm. or like, yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, I'm sure there are some decent ones. I'm not a huge fan of memes. There are some good ones. Uh, But a lot of it boils down to look at the funny guy with the big forehead in this seemingly absurd context that is not what the original intent was which i feel like is not the greatest joke ever um what is your Fair. take my take is uh i personally don't take offense to it i think for me because it is one of my favorite shows even though it's definitely a lot of what you're seeing and memes in general aren't ever really that sincere uh i I, I'm happy to see other people, even if it's in a mocking way, talk about a show that I like. And <laughs> and if this like weird Frasier culture hadn't like recently come in, especially because of Netflix, there's no way I would be doing this podcast. Also, you know, there are other podcasts like Kevin Smith does a podcast called Talk Salad and Scrambled Eggs, which is about Frasier. Um, wow. Yes. So that I, was definitely in. That was encouraging to me that something was already out there in a very different format than what I'm doing. But um, yeah, for me, I was excited to see regardless of how mocking the Frasier culture is. Um, it's just gives it gives me an excuse to draw people into my weird Frasier world um, and try and experiment with what I'm doing personally. So like, for example, like, for example, um, so like you and I are at. This is the format I've been doing for which is just having these conversations. However, um, I am moving into an idea right now that uh, we'll see if it comes to fruition. Um, I want to have characters, quote unquote, the characters on this show. Now, no, David Hyde Pierce, I don't think he's going to be joining me. Kelsey Grammer, definitely not going to be joining me. But um, I. Not with that attitude. What I want to do 
is yeah. I want to have people come on here, um, perhaps improvisers, people that do really good accents. And and I want to do like an hour with the character and and just be weird and be like, hey, what do you think about, you know, Pizones? <laughs> anyway, okay. So, uh, yes. So I have many grand plans for this podcast and the culture that is sort of kind of uh, evolving around Frasier uh, makes me excited for what I will and can do with my weird podcast. Yes. So um, that's my hot take. So uh, I would love to get into these episodes we assigned each other. Let's talk about, um, so the episode that um, you told me to watch was Diane Meets Mom. So uh, fortunately you gave me context around it, though I think I could have figured it out. The the um, the character Diane is now engaged to Fraser Crane on Cheers, and he's finally she's finally meeting Fraser's mom Esther, which is the oldest lady sounding name I've ever heard. I feel like right below Esther is Gertrude. Yeah, it's a it's a rough name. I can't imagine like a young girl being named Esther, but that's just me. Um, Ethel, another one. No spring. Yeah. I think what was particularly striking to me about this episode was how thin and young Frasier was. Whew, I he doesn't look anything close to that by the time Frasier, the sh- the other the show Frasier came about. Um, he looks a lot like his younger brother Niles, I would say. Yeah. Uh, so if you didn't know this about the show Frasier, there is very little mention of his mom who has died since, you know, by the time the uh, Frasier has his own show Frasier and he's moved to Seattle. His mother has passed away. You hear very kind of loving sort of there's like, like they, they bring her up, but it's always in a very loving way that she was also a, a psychologist and she's very sweet. And actually you even in a way you get to meet her much later on. Maybe this is an episode you should watch, but there is an episode um, with Frasier where he dates a woman who turns out to look exactly like a a young version of his mother, played by Rita Wilson, married to Tom Hanks, if that gave you some reference, if you're not familiar with her work. Uh, And um, yeah, she's this very sweet, warm woman. But then when I watched this episode that you told me to watch, she's a nut. But I felt very conflicted because in this episode... Frasier um, or Diane meets Esther. Esther, she threatens Diane and says, "If you don't stop seeing my son, I'll kill you." But then, in the end, you do find out. Like fast forward, Diane does leave him at the altar. So really, she was right about Diane all along. There was a lot. What did you think of this episode? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I feel like it's a pretty classic uh, gaslighting example that but- sort of preys upon what we know about. Diane and what the other characters know about her of maybe being um, not the best judge of character or misreading something or reading into something. And um, yeah, I, I would be surprised if if the writers had thought it out that far ahead, but it is, I guess, sort of true that she kind of ruins his life and then leaves the show and then he's just sort of moping around for a couple of seasons. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it was sort of so over the top and it's like she's threatening physical violence to this mm-hmm. woman to Diane and, and no one's around. And then it's sort of up to her to try and convince Frazier, convince the other people that this woman's mm-hmm. trying to kill her, which seems like, you know, an over the top fantastical version of, of the subtext of, you know, the mother-in-law and the daughter and the, um, 
uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty fun. And, and uh, he eventually steps up and rallies and does the right thing and stands by her. And um, that was a fun episode. My familiarity with Diane is from that episode. And then there is an episode where she comes uh, and visits Frasier in Seattle. And she truly is a nut. <laughs> I don't yeah. fully know her storyline. I think she did end up going to like seeking psychiatric care during the show or character. I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, no, she did. And then she went away with some nuns briefly at a convent and they were equally annoyed with her. I think there was a vow of silence or maybe that was just every other nuns and pop culture reference. Um, Yeah, she definitely had her ups and downs and and her and Sam had a volatile relationship. Um, And they had this one sort of famous, you know, heated, angry yelling at each other, slapping each other in the face, like hard ends in a passionate kiss moment that I feel like would not play as well today. But at the time I remember it was this hugely romantic, sexy moment. And, um, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she, she's, uh, she's had her difficulties. How, uh, how do you know just how much screen time or how long was Lilith? Like how, how much of a character was she? Frazier's next wife uh, on Cheers. Did she make, was she in it for at least one season or? Yeah, she was in it for a, a couple of seasons, as I recall, and was like um, definitely like a recurring cast member, not in every episode, but was certainly would, um, you know, come in on the cold open or kind of breeze in for a scene. Um, and then they had their kid together. And, and then there was definitely some episodes set at like Frazier and Lilith's apartment with mm-hmm. like Sam babysitting. I believe Frederick is the kid's name. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, all sorts of hijinks happened there. And, and uh, but no, she was definitely like a um, you know uh, a presence. Would you say and a lot of multiple jokes and and uh, sort of you know Iron Lady Dragon Woman type uh, you know mockery? Sure. I mean, so it's interesting because you know in Fraser, all you hear about, and he makes many references to his nightmarish like exes um and i feel like i think based on diane's appearance in the show and and lilith he seemingly makes it seem like diane was the one that truly like like destroyed him for a bit like worse than lilith and having seen both of their relationships on cheers would you say like if you had to be married to one of them who would you have chosen out of curiosity i think that's interesting because i think that depends on what you as the husband in that scenario brings to the table because i would say absolutely frazier was like a goddamn punching bag for her and was about to for uh diane it was completely run over um and inevitably i guess the same with with lilith uh but when you look at sam and diane they it was much more sort of equally matched sure you know 15 round heavyweight bout for lack of a better word. And I, I think he even like literally throws her off of a boat at one point. There's, oh there's my God. Of, uh, hijinks. But I think it would depend um, on who you were. Like, I feel like if, if, if am I Frazier in this scenario, then I think you'd have to go, um, I don't know. I'd I mean, go with Lilith. I don't, think, I don't think it's great to date as Frazier, regardless of who you are. <laughs> I don't think his experience with the opposite sex is anywhere near what you'd assume his enlightenment would bring him. I feel like Sam Malone would maybe fare better in any of those scenarios. 
Of course uh, he would. You know, I, I think there's like a neediness to the Fraser character that isn't great. Yes. Put into a relationship and to put that onto someone else, and that probably brought out the worst in them. Um, that is interesting. I mean, you definitely see he dates a variety. I'm if I mean I should I should expect it at this point, you know, because he's well, I wouldn't call him good looking, um, but he dates many women, including like possibly three models. I want to say, and there, you're right, there is a neediness to his character, and he definitely. I don't know. He becomes around women that he really likes or thinks he loves. He definitely sort of lets a lot of things slide. That's interesting. Uh, and that sort of brings us to the um, episode that I watched for the assignment. Yes. Um, Great segue. The, what is it, the Ski Lodge? Is that the name of something? The Ski Lodge, correct. Yeah. And um, I was sort of impressed because I think you're right. Like, yeah, there, there's a lot of that. I recall from other Frasier episodes of like some beautiful model and he approaches her at a coffee shop and you know, it seems um, not necessarily plausible is, would be my assessment. But I feel like in this episode, he was so honest and sort of, uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously it's a character, but I, I don't, you know, vanity does invade everything you do, I think. And, and it was kind of cool as the star of the show and the guy in charge, how he was so unafraid of letting himself be just the most undesirable one in this entire episode. And, and just for people who haven't seen it, it's sort of this farce set up around a ski lodge and, and they're trapped in there for some reason or just staying in there. And then there are multiple crushes, some heterosexual, some homosexual, often landing on, you know, one person likes someone else who likes someone else who likes someone else. And it's just this, mm -hmm. um, it's they, a farce. In the web, and the one thing everyone has in common is none of them are interested in Frasier, and they all treat the idea as like disgusting. <laughs> and he was just fine to end the episode. Like, I mean, he doesn't even come close to getting anyone. And and uh, usually the punchline is someone assuming that he likes them and being weirded out, or him being yeah. annoyed that no one likes him, and you know, even calling that out at a point. And it's uh, it's that cool, is... is what I'm gonna say. That is classic Frasier, I would say. And if anything, that episode, to me, yeah, it was more uh, believable in terms of like, not only was he not the object, he was so sure that he was the object of this like, you know, tall, gorgeous, blonde's affection that like, yeah, he just assumed she was completely and totally into him. And then then makes it about him at the end. That's that's what I thought was great. He just completely made it about him at the end. It was like, and that's, he does that a lot. There's a lot of episodes where like, oh man, there's an episode where there's a blackout in his apartment and all of those central characters, all of them that were in the ski lodge with the exception of Guy, the gay ski instructor, are all <laughs> stuck in his apartment. This happens a lot, by the way. I, yeah. What is it, a, bo a bottle episode? Like a lot of the episodes feel a lot like plays to me, which I like, um, but they all uh, are stuck together in this blackout. And like one by one, Frasier has a one on one with each character about like why they're feeling sort of unaccomplished in their lives at this moment. Then they all get invited to a party downstairs and Frasier says, why don't any of you want to talk to me? Every Ooh. time I talk to somebody, I just lose a little bit more of myself, blah, blah, blah. And he's just he's very dramatic. Uh, why not me, people in fiction and in real life? There's nothing <laughs> more of a drain on people's lives than the person who's like, why wasn't I invited to that party? Why wasn't I invited to the hangout? Like, I, I don't understand people's willingness to be that person 
do not understand how that will come off and how that will there's nothing grosser than that sort of ugh. and um i don't yeah, know if of mine. you bring you up a good... somebody on the spot like that is what i'm saying yeah i mean that the idea of of what would you call that kind of person as in like a like a selfish neurotic person because like i'm trying to i'm trying to think if i know a fraser in my life like a, like a cripplingly in, insecure person, you know, sure. uh, everyone has insecurities they deal with, but this is, I think that's an example of someone just um, woefully inadequate to deal with the keeping it in check or even trying to keep it under wraps and, and sort of, and it becomes this flip of like, all of a sudden the, the burden is on the other person for not inviting them rather than like, why aren't you someone more people want to hang out with? How about work sure. on that? How about I, I can relate. Well, not no. I'm not Fraser. Thank God. Um, a soul tear I, just drips down your cheek as I finish up the monologue. You know, I, I yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so did I? So I, I enjoyed that episode, and I and I felt it was like just like a marvel from like a plate spinning extravaganza, where it, like a finely tuned machine just to mix up nine different metaphors there. But um, <laughs> it's sort of I don't know. Again, it, like it frustrates me on some level because. So much of it depends upon like one character mishearing something uh, to, you know, a completely 180 degree where they get the opposite from what a character was saying that they've overheard and then going and then telling another person who sort of asks about it in a clumsy way. And then that person has this misinformation and then repeat and flip and switch so that all these people are under these wrong impressions, which, you know, as a spectacle, of, you know, letting it unwind or letting the top play out it's kind of fun but but it frustrates me at a, at a certain level because you're just like oh, i wish people would just talk to each other or i wish you would clarify <laughs> like wait he really said that are you sure he didn't say this and then you know you would have no episode but i i guess i just personally lean towards you know an episode where it more comes from a character making a specific choice and then the, the fallout coming from that someone knowingly entering into something rather than stuff happening to them and them only being 40% aware of why things are happening, which I maybe is more like life actually. So. No, I mean, it's, uh, it's funny to think about, you know, obviously having, I've seen the episode, the ski lodge many times. Cause it is one of my favorite episodes. Yes, of course it's, it, you know, it could never happen in real life because people do ask each other things and don't have that many, uh, misunderstandings. Uh, it like, I, I get I go back to that episode so many times because even though it's not at all realistic, I always think about what it took and the process of writing that episode. Um, oh my just God. like yeah. I've yeah, like I've never I've never written anything like farcical like that. And I always wonder, like, you know, where did I think I believe one of the people that wrote that show um, is a writer named Joe Keenan who hopefully will be joining me soon on this podcast. I'd be very excited about that. Um, but uh, I always wonder like, yeah, where do you start when you're writing something that's going to have that many obstacles and things like that? Um, it feels like, a, yeah, I don't understand it either. It feels like, like, like how a mystery writer would construct something. But um, just to clarify, I, uh, I do think it's awesome. Like I'm a fan of, you know, it's super impressive. In no way am I saying like, oh, that's shitty or lame. And I feel like it's just no, no, my no. taste, what yeah. I kind of lend, what? Lend myself towards, <laughs> what I kind of favor personally. Um, but it, again, it is such a marvel, like you said, and, and uh, I couldn't write something like that 
like that. And, and I don't know how they would even go about, you know, kind of maneuvering those characters around a chessboard like that. It's, it's very impressive. So hot takes, a lot of hot takes today. So I want to veer off track for a second um, because, Kevin, I think that you wrote a book several years ago at this point. But what is it called? I feel like it had failure in the title. Did I make that up? I think I did. Something you about punching. Did. You're remembering the failure associated with the project overall. <laughs> no, it did very well for something of its size. I'm very proud of it. It was called Punching Tom Hanks. Okay. And it was a sort of how-to guide for how to beat up various characters and creatures like uh, Batman, a left-handed person, a robot, an apple-throwing tree from The Wizard of Oz, sort of anything you'd ever need to fight, the book would help you out. Cool. Do you, uh, do you want to write another book? Are you writing one? I don't know if you care. Um, yeah, I very much want to write another one, and I've been working on it for a while now. And um, I feel like, so um, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm unique. I'm, the, I'm a guy in Brooklyn looking to write a novel. I don't know, maybe the first one <laughs> do that. Um, but um, it, is, uh, it is difficult, and um, especially as relating to sort of the other kind of work I've done where it's just much shorter by comparison of like a TV script or, um, yeah, but I've, I've been doing it for a couple of years and, and, um, I feel like I'm still far away, but you know, getting closer, uh, nice. bit by bit, which is still pretty rewarding. So you do definitely do some TV writing given that we've been talking about these two specific shows. Is there, would you, have you ever had to write like a sp- script for like a show that you didn't like if that makes sense it does make sense uh no because i feel like you know when you're writing a spec script you really want to love the show to really get the voice and and so since a spec is usually more of like you know something you do on your own to get a job it it feels like if you if if, even if it was like the hottest show on the air if you didn't have a connection to it or an affinity for the characters or something about it i feel like you wouldn't be able to write it well. I, I, sure. I wouldn't be able to. Maybe a better writer could fake it. But I feel like also, why would you want to sure. put your energy into something if you didn't, didn't like it? So, um, if so you no, could, thankfully. There you go. Um, I know I was talking about if... Uh, I've written yes. a lot of horrible shit that I was paid to write that I didn't yeah? like. But that's oh. another story. Would you, given... So Cheers, Cheers was a very successful show. Mostly, primarily, it took place in a bar. I could see it being on a desert island. Uh, would you, if there were ever a reboot of Cheers and it could be, I don't know, I feel like there, like there's a lot of reboots that are completely different from the original. For example, uh, Riverdale. I don't know if you're familiar with Riverdale. I love oh, I, I love Riverdale. I am Man. waiting for the second season to come out on Netflix. Um, but you know, yeah, it was a cheery comic book that now is like a dark, like met, like supernatural, sexy nighttime soap opera. So if you could reboot Cheers, would you perhaps if you like if you had to change the location, what do you think would be another location that you would do a show like that with that many characters? I mean, it's tough because when you boil it down to a certain level, it, it is just like, you know, like many shows, Cheers was about this family at a bar, not literally, but, you know, figuratively. And, and I feel like, you know, you know, transporting them into other areas would make them a drastically different show. Um, and I feel like, I don't know if you could even reboot it too, because it's such a 
classic sitcom, and in, in my opinion, maybe the last of the really great classic sitcoms before you get into sort of, you know, meta stuff like Larry Single Sanders King. or, or sure. It's Gary Shanley Show or like absurd, like 30 Rock-esque sort of stuff or, or you know, more naturalistic, like a party down. Um, sure. or, or I don't know how you'd characterize that, maybe. Uh, well, single cam. Yeah, well, yeah, single cam, absolutely. No laugh track. Um, yeah, and even the laugh track, I hate laugh tracks, and like, but even the laugh tracks, laugh track on Cheers doesn't bother me as much. Um, maybe because you can buy the conceit of there being an audience there because they're in a packed bar, so it could just be those people laughing. That doesn't make sense. That does not sure. hold up. I was like, <laughs> a second. Um, I'm going with Desert Island, so. Desert Island. Um, stuck, like, I think like there's a island. scene of Sam tending bar on like a tiki type situation on a desert island. I would say um, uh, the underwater city of Atlantis. I'm going under. I'm going the other way from yours. Make it more Love sci-fi it. and um, great. The humans I'd... can't breathe, so they're just you're watching them die as they tend bar. It lasts that's about great. 15 minutes. Start. I mean, the only stuff that I've seen that's underwater is Blue Planet, which is not a sitcom but it's about fish and I love it and the little mermaid. And you know, I think that we're lacking in underwater um, half hour sitcoms. Given that you watched this episode that I forced you to watch of Frasier. I willingly think- engage in watching this episode. Right. Do you think you'd go back and watch some more episodes or do you think you're good? I... There's no wrong answer here. There is not. No, I mean, I, uh, I feel like in a different era when you kind of just watch whatever was on, absolutely. But I think much like you, as you uh, put it earlier, I mean, there's just such a backlog of stuff and, and new things that I've avoided and other things I want to revisit. And, and I feel like I'm never just sitting down like you used to do years ago and just watch what was on. I feel like I'm specifically picking something and engaging with it. Uh, I'm not engaging with it. I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um uh, so yeah, no, probably not. But but yeah, on like a plane, you know, how, like in a JetBlue situation where you get like there's like four episodes of like sure of two and a half know? men and Big Bang Theory. Yeah, that's what's oh, always it, on planes for me. Yeah, and if it's Frasier's sitting right there next to her, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'll be watching some Frasier's. Ugh, I wish. I feel like all the content I see on planes is CBS. Just like give me something else, or at least throw on some Criminal Minds or something because I'm a big fan of that show um, and Law and Order SVU. And um, I don't know what that says about me, but I'm not the only one. It's me and a lot of senior citizens really um, watching those shows. Uh, Well, so I'm asking myself the same question, which is, will I watch more Cheers? I think at this point, I don't see myself, unless, unless I have another surgery, I don't see myself watching it chronologically. However, I do see myself trying to put the pieces together more about Fraser Crane, and that makes me want to watch more episodes. But I'm probably going to be handpicking them, and and like you know, more episodes of Cheers that were like Lilith and Fraser. I honestly like I I love the outside of a podcast context, and you were like, "What should I watch right now?" I don't think I would have ever recommended Cheers. Uh, I think there are probably four or five others that I feel like would resonate with you with grad you know you in terms of a modern audience and in terms of the way that the the art form has changed i feel like um you know i'm not disappointed to hear you say that i guess because i feel like it, it sort of is you know i don't know if it would do what it did it can do what it did what it did once 
again, if that makes sense. There, there's other shows I'd recommend, to be honest. Sorry, for cheers. Sure. Well, um, I have a lot to think about in terms of shows that I want to watch. Here's the thing. I do enjoy, in general, having a nice, low-stakes show playing in the background most times, just in general. If I'm home alone, perhaps if I am at work, uh, so, I mean, I will. It's happened. I have played Frasier in the background on my headphones while I've been working. Is that a fireable, fireable offense? I guess that. I'll find out. It's not a promotable offense. I will say that. I want to thank Kevin for coming on the show. And I am going to work on pronouncing your last name correctly. As I now feel like I have now developed a fear around saying it. <laughs> and I feel like my brain won't let me say it correctly. So I'm, I'm going to work on it. Do you, have any Do you have any nicknames you like? Nicknames for myself? Yeah, Kev. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a real simple one. People have, uh, you know, you don't have to put a lot of effort or thought into it. You don't have to, like, incorporate hair color or just Kev. <laughs> Kev is amused. Kev. Okay. Um, well, Kevin, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I have a lot of cheers that I can watch. I think I'm going to go through Frasier's entire plot line and that's probably where I will start just to sort of figure out what kind of person he is and what led him to be Frasier on the show Frasier so thank you for being on this podcast and as I always end good night Seattle <laughs>